Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Borg Warner. Feel good about driving. Bridgestone, your journey, our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems, improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. Hello and welcome to AutoLine Daily. Later on in the show, we have another chapter being added to the design handbook with Jim Hall. But before we get to that, let's get to the news. J.D. Power released the latest results of its initial quality survey, and the results are completely unexpected. Porsche topped the list with the highest quality, no surprise there, but it was followed by GMC. Who saw that coming? Then came Lexus and Infiniti, and then Chevrolet, another complete surprise. In fact, General Motors performed the best of any group manufacturer. So how did GM jump to the top of the list? Well, here's my Autoline insight. J.D. Power redesigned this year's IQS to include design issues, like interface issues with infotainment systems. And it weighed those issues more than the traditional things gone wrong kind of defects. In fact, Two-thirds of all the quality issues in this year's IQS are design-related, not some sort of malfunction. Also, GM has some of the oldest vehicles in the market. And the older a vehicle is, the better the quality gets, as line workers and suppliers get really good at eliminating every defect. GM is bringing out 20 new models this year, so don't be surprised if it drops down the list next year. Speaking of GMC, it's talking up the fuel efficiency of its 2014 Sierra and the 5.3-liter Ecotec 3 V8, which gets best-in-class MPGs. They say it even beats Ford's EcoBoost Turbo V6. As we reported yesterday, its new 4.3-liter V6 does even better. But despite the impressive mileage numbers on both the two-wheel drive and 4x4 models, GMC doesn't want to skip over the other capabilities of this all-new truck. We wanted to communicate the fuel economy of the 4.3, but also emphasize the total package, which includes the capabilities that this 4.3 V6 offers, because we know that consumers today really want to buy a V6, but it's got to be capable. And hence the emphasis on 7,200 pounds of trailering capability and over 2,100 pounds of payload. So it's a real truck, and it's a real truck engine, in addition to the great fuel economy that we announced today. By the way, the brand will be adding a third engine to the mix this fall with its 6.2-liter Ecotec 3, which they say will be the most powerful engine offered on any light-duty pickup. Renault just introduced the all-new version of its Colios SUV at the Buenos Aires Motor Show. If it looks a little familiar, that's because it's Renault's version of the Nissan Rogue. But Renault did a good job of differentiating the two vehicles, and the front end features Renault's new design direction. The Colios is available in two-wheel or four-wheel drive versions. It's equipped with Renault's new infotainment system called R-Link that includes a 7-inch touchscreen display. And new safety features include blind spot warning and a rear-view camera. Honda is about to add another Accord Hybrid to its lineup. It gets some unique parts, like the blue-accented grille and light lenses, the rear deck lid spoiler, and the wheel design. 
The car's new two-motor powertrain, similar to the one in the Accord plug-in, allows it to run in three different modes. EV drive, which solely runs on lithium-ion battery power, engine drive, which sends power directly to the front wheels, or hybrid drive, which mates the 124-kilowatt electric motor to the all-new 2-liter Atkinson cycle engine. Honda expects the Accord Hybrid to get EPA ratings of 49 miles per gallon city and 45 freeway. This will be the company's second hybrid assembled in the U.S. and the first at its Marysville, Ohio plant. There are reports all over the web that Chrysler might be dropping the Dodge Caravan minivan. Actually, that shouldn't surprise anyone. Sergio admitted they were looking at doing that three years ago. Even so, rumors are rampant that the company is going to drop the Dodge brand. Well, here's why I think those rumors are started by people who don't know what they're talking about. The Dodge brand accounts for most of the Chrysler Group sales. Dodge handily outsells Jeep, Ram, and Chrysler. Also, Dodge sales are up 23% this year. The Chrysler brand and Jeep are actually down. The Chrysler brand only has three models, the 200, 300, and Town and & Country. The Dodge brand has seven models. So even when they drop the caravan, it's still going to have twice as many models as Chrysler. And that's why these rumors about the Dodge brand going away don't make any sense to me. Earlier in the week, we reported that hybrids and EVs are depreciating faster than conventional cars. Now, the National Automobile Dealers Association says prices for used plug-in EVs are falling faster than any other segment. They're falling by 30%. As a percentage of its MSRP, the Chevy Volt lost over half of its value, while the Nissan Leaf only retained 42% of its. And you know, this tells me that only the green crowd is interested in buying these types of vehicles. As with all forms of fashion, car design elements go in and out of style. But there's one archetype that has remained the same for more than a century. Can you guess what it is? Find out in the design handbook after the break. Dow Automotive Systems, driving solutions in automotive, commercial transportation, and aftermarket with innovative products like Betamate structural adhesives. Lighter, stronger, safer. DowBetamate.com. Time for another edition of Design Handbook with Jim Hall, expert analyst and head honcho of 2953 Analytics. You know, Jim was a student at Art Center College of Design, is a contributing writer for Car and Driver and Motor Trend, and is even the uncle of the Mazda Miata. So he's had a close eye on this industry for a long time. And in all that time, there's one design rule that's never wavered. Jim has more in this section that he calls Secrets of proportion. Most designers subscribe to the concept of proportion being everything on a car. And for most cars, proportion has been evolutionary. From small cars to honking luxury sedans, there's always been a fashion element to their proportions. Long overhangs, short roof, low uppers, vertical uppers, they've all been in and out of style numerous times on mainstream cars. But there's one vehicle type that refuses to evolve, the proportion of a sports car. Proportions on sports cars have remained amazingly consistent for well over a century. Back in 1905, a company called American Underslung started building cars that visually stood out from other early automobiles. This was a result of the chassis and frame actually hung under the front and rear axles rather than placed atop them. 
Additionally, the engine and transmission were positioned down well between the frame rails again instead of being perched on top. This architecture, along with 40-inch wheels, yep, double dubs, gave the American underslung, especially the two-passenger roadster, a decidedly sporty profile. After the American underslung, several sporting cars of the early 1900s, the Mercer Raceabout and Stunt Series A Bearcat Roadster most notably, were little more than engine stands with wheels and seats. Visually, they were dominated by their engine mass, spoke wheels, and two seats positioned almost on top of the rear axle. This was the beginning of the long hood, short trunk proportion that defines sports cars to this very day. With what we consider sports cars starting exclusively as open vehicles, the whole idea of upper mass was a non-issue. But with the onset of streamlining in the 1930s, closed sports cars started to appear. Like their predecessors, a long hood telegraph the car was of a serious sporting nature. And without exception, the roofs of these early examples were low, very low, and placed far, far back in the car. This is how the long hood, low roofline became synonymous with sports cars as well. In the 1960, when mid-engine configurations were starting to appear in production cars, the influence of traditional sports car proportion continued beyond reason. And this is no better illustrated than the Lamborghini P400 Miura. The transverse V12 two-seat coupe debuted at the 1966 Geneva Auto Show to rave reviews. And while the Miura was incredibly distinctive, in side profile it had a long, one-piece tilt-up hood and fender assembly that concealed little more than the car's suspension, fuel tank, radiator, and a spare tire. The Miura could have ignored the long hood idiom, and it didn't. The world is a better place for it, too. One car aggressively violated the sports car proportion, the M100 Elan. Lotus packaged the front-wheel drive powertrain in an architecture that barely had a hood and put the occupants pretty much dead center when viewed from the side. It's blasphemous. While new sports cars like the C7 Corvette and the latest 911 from Porsche redefine levels of performance and driving character, nobody is trying to redefine sports car proportions. And that, in my far from humble opinion, is a very, very good thing. For AutoLine Design Handbook, I'm Jim Hall. Hey, if you've got questions or ideas for future editions of Design Handbook, send them our way. That email address is viewermail at autoline.tv. Also, don't forget to join us tonight for AutoLine After Hours. Our guest will be Don Runkel from Eco Motors, bringing us the latest update of that revolutionary engine and their plans to put it into production. So join me and the auto extremist Peter DeLorenzo for some of the best insider information in the business. Anyway, that wraps up today's report. Thanks for watching, and I hope we see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.